This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Saturday Squeeze is your shortcut to being informed weekend style. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, we're coming off the back of a really long weekend, mm. which was lovely, but it's always a bit discombobulating for news junkies like us, I feel. <laughs> I, I properly tuned out <laughs> over the long weekend and then trying to catch up is like, yeah. uh, but I think we've got it. <laughs> we'll give it a go. We'll give it a go. The biggest story was again, The Voice Julian Lisa's position on that. We'll get into who he is and where that all landed in this episode. Yeah, we will. We're also going to talk about the closure of Milk Run. You mm. might or might not have heard about that, but it's one of those tech startup-y kind of stories. So it's been in the news quite a bit this week too. It certainly has. I find it really interesting mm. and fascinating. So we'll have a chat about that. We've got a good, solid, long read that we both really enjoyed. <laughs> yes. uh, so we'll put that in our recommendations and have a little chat about that. That's with Tim Cook from Apple, the CEO of Apple. And I have a recipe recommendation, Claire. Who would have thought it? It really is a discombobulating week, that's for sure. (laughs) Let's do it. Claire, squizzers were pretty interested this week in the breakup of Taylor Swift. You couldn't really avoid that one. Uh, She broke up with her actor boyfriend, Joe Alwyn, although nothing's confirmed. (laughs) Are we confirming it here? No, <laughs> we're not getting into it. I don't know, but they apparently have broken up and there's all sorts of views about it. Um, but maybe encouragingly, it wasn't the most engaged with story of the week. The most engaged with story of the week in the Squiz Today email was pictures from NASA. Yeah, so just underlining yet again, we're a pack of nerds. Total which nerds. Is- Totally our people. (laughs) (laughs) It was the James Webb Telescope. It's delivered again, uh, this time pictures of Uranus and its rings. Uh, It's just the third time that a picture of that planet like that has been taken. It's it's better to talk about the picture. The picture isn't actually that great. Well, you know, look, the James Webb Telescope is trying. It's so. trying. <laughs> it can improve. But there is a serious interest in space from Squizzers yeah, and we really appreciate is. that because we're interested in it as well. Yeah. We'll talk about a solar eclipse on that space theme later in the podcast. The biggest story of the week, as I said, was Julian Lisa's decision to quit the coalition front bench. Yep. That came after the Liberal Party. So Lisa's party, he's a member of the Liberal Party, decided last week that its formal position on The Voice would be to support the no case. There's a bit to unpack there. Let's start with who Julian Lisa is, though. I think that's probably the best place to It's a good place to start, yeah. Yeah. So Julian Lisa's been around politics for a really long time. Um, Kate, back when you and I were staffers, he Mm. was an advisor to Philip Ruddick when he was the Attorney General. Uh, That was in the Howard government days. And, in fact, he went on to become the MP for Ruddick's old seat. Uh, That's the seat of Barowra, which is in the north of Sydney, right on the edge before we get into the Hawkesbury. Yeah. Uh, He retired back in 2016 and it was really a contested 
pre-selection, that one, and, and Lisa came out on top. Uh, Lisa is a former lawyer and also a legal policy wonk. He is absolutely that. Plenty said this week about how he's probably the most expert member of parliament when it comes to constitutional law and referendums. Mm. So this decision is a, is a really big one. Mm. Um, he's also someone who's been very involved in the case for constitutional recognition for Indigenous Australians. So this decision is a very considered one. Yeah, it really is. And anyone that saw his press club address, uh, which was last week, just before Easter, just before the Liberal Party made its decision mm. to support the no case. Uh, and then in Lisa's press conference this week, where he announced that he was going to step down from the front bench, mm. uh, he talked at length about his connection to this issue of constitutional recognition for Indigenous Australians. He's been involved at a policy level, but also just at a personal level. It's something that he's very personally committed to. Yeah. And I think to be clear on his position and on this, he has the same concerns that Peter Dutton has about the broad amendments and what they might mean and what how they might impact decision making for government. Yeah. But as a whole, he's saying, look, I will vote yes. Yeah, all said and done, that's where he's going to go. But mm. he's going to spend, he says, the next few weeks trying to convince the government, so Albanese and also the crossbench, uh, who are going to have to vote on this in Parliament in the coming weeks, uh, to change what has been proposed, particularly to deal with that issue about how the voice might work with executive government. That's the main thing that that's the, the liberals point. are concerned yeah. about. Um, but even if they can't get there, he will support it, which is different to what the Liberal Party will do, which is to vote no. And we talked about this in Saturday Squiz a few weeks ago, head of that press club address, and we said, what a position to be in when you actually support the yes, yes vote, but you're the shadow minister for Indigenous Affairs and you're the Attorney General. Yeah. He was compromised from the very beginning. <laughs> well, We called it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we called it. But. Well, let's just claim it anyway. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those interesting things, I think, in the commentary that has come out this week around this sort of collision course that he was always on. Mm. with his party Absolutely, about yeah. this issue with that front bench job. Um, what it means, though, is that he's stepped down. He'll be able to do what he wants to do from the back bench. Uh, that's different to what the front bench, so those who have these shadow ministerial roles, jobs, yeah. Yeah, will be able to do. They have to publicly at least, what you do in the ballot box might be quite different, mm. but they have to publicly support the Liberals' position, which is to vote no. And that's a bit different to the Labor Party. So the Labor Party, you kind of have to line up with the party position no matter where you are, on the front bench, back bench, wherever you are. Exactly. Whereas the Liberal Party, and they talk about this a little bit, they have a bit more of an open system where if you're on the back bench, you can kind of do as you please. Different to a conscience vote though. Very different to a conscience vote. Mm. Uh, and there's all sorts of debate too about whether this is an issue of conscience or whether it's an issue of policy. Uh, issues of conscience, of course, are things usually like oh, assisted voluntary dying. Uh, More or, social issues. Yeah, and, I mean, exactly. we're not saying this isn't a social issue. No. That's the argument. No. Whether and it is or isn't. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, expect a lot more about that over the coming weeks because it's still going to be a thing as they go through these processes to try and get the referendum to a point where we can vote on it later this year. And I guess that's the important point in all of this in the next couple of weeks. And we were going to talk about this in the what's coming up section, but let's do it now. Let's do it now. Basically, that wording that the government's put forward forward mm. hasn't gone through parliament yet and no, it has to no they've only just where we got to they've only just really put it in front of the parliament so the whole debate is yet 
to unfold. Uh, what's happening at the moment is that it's gone to a committee. Uh, that's usually what happens with tricky legislation is that it goes to a committee. They have this whole sort of submission process and they have hearings so that experts can come and talk about it. Uh, that kicked off on Friday. Mm. Uh, it's going to take a little roadshow. It's going to Cairns and to Orange. Uh, there'll be all sorts of people talking about the referendum and the need for a voice. Uh, also the arguments against it. Mm. Uh, they'll take all of that, put it into a report, put it back into the parliament in about six weeks' time. That's how long that process will take. Uh, and then it'll go before the parliament for a vote. So we just learn a whole lot about the mechanics of government. <laughs> Thank you, Claire. I really appreciate Look, that. you didn't get my lecture that some of the team did about the difference between a joint select committee no. or a Senate specific, <laughs> like a Senate select committee. It's a, it's a whole thing. For the millionth time in our journey at the Squiz, I am begging you to stop. I think I've got enough. <laughs> That's fine. Let's I don't take it, it personally. Um, well, let's close this out, Claire, by just a bit of a wrap of what the leaders were up to this week as well because that's kind of interesting Peter Dutton was in Alice Springs so when you talk about this debate playing out he sort of kicked that off by going to Alice Springs talking about the crime rate and putting that front and center of the debate the actual practical on the ground issues as he calls it. Yeah so there's a very specific political reason to do that as well as a practical one the issue of crime in Alice Springs no one is saying is a small thing mm. uh, so it's definitely worthy of the attention uh, but Dutton given they now support a no vote very officially, there is a good reason to shine a spotlight ongoing about the reality for Indigenous people and also raise that question about whether The Voice will do anything to fix it. And Jacinta Price was with him there, yeah. who you'll hear a lot from. We've talked about her. She's a coalition member of government. She's Indigenous and very staunchly on the no side of this debate. Anthony Albanese, he was on leave, Claire, and interesting to note that we have no idea where he was. <laughs> Good luck to him. I know. I don't like telling people where I am at all I'm times either. I'm just surprised it hasn't, like, come out. Like, it has might, been spotted. Might be in Hawaii. No, he's not in Hawaii. He made that very, very clear. I think Penny Wong said that that is absolutely not where he is. Claire, changing pace a little bit now from uh, the politics pages to the business pages, which we like to do from time to time, we were chatting a lot about the closure of startup Milk Run. Milk Run, to set the scene, was a grocery delivery service operating in inner metro areas across Australia, I think mainly Sydney and Melbourne from what I've read. It launched not much over a year ago, which sort of blows my mind. It was early 2022 when it sort of yeah, entered wow. the market. Looking at their website, it says this, is the, this was their tagline. This ain't your grandfather's milk run. This is the milk run of the future. Groceries and alcohol delivered to your door in minutes. What a time to be alive. <laughs> what a time to be alive. It's very startup-y, new, next generation. <laughs> it had all the things. Did yeah. you ever use it? I'm kind of curious. No, but I live all of about like quite literally 100 metres from a Woolworths supermarket. True. So it's very different. But I think um, my hands rubbing together, I've still paid very close attention to it because I love retail, particularly yeah. supermarket retailing. It's such a fascinating business. And anyone who tries to disrupt it. Yeah. Um, Danny Milham was the founder of Milk Run or he's the founder of Milk Run. He was formerly the co-founder of Co of Koala Mattresses, which is a very successful business. Very successful business. business, yeah. He's in his 30s. He raised... $86 million from investors for Milk Run. So I reckon in our squeeze life we've raised about a million yeah, bucks. that's true. Uh, to underpin the business and to grow. Uh, 
gee, it was hard to raise a million dollars. <laughs> I can only imagine what $86 million and then to have no business at the end of it 12 months later would have looked like. Well, 75 mil of that was only a year ago, as mm. I said, and then obviously they launched from there. Tech company valuations have taken a real hit of late. The reason the failure of Milk Run, though, has received so much attention is around the calibre mm. of those investors. So we're talking about Mike Cannon-Brooks, we're mm. talking about Scott Farquhar, we're talking about Airtree Ventures, which is one of the biggest VC firms here. Yeah, and this is one of those things, isn't it, when you get some names that sort of general news consumers mm. recognise, it does tend to bleed towards the front end of the paper and get a lot more attention. Um, the fact that Millam was very loud and ambitious about the yeah. company too, and it was so unusual, you know, taking on our household name brands like Coles and Woolworths, uh, really interesting. And they said that uh, when you look at the coverage, the Financial Review, uh, one of Milk Run's pitch decks, the company had targets of around $4.8 billion in annual revenue. That's about 10% of what Woolworths does as a whole company. As a whole company. Every yeah. year. So yeah. they, they were really going for it. Ambitious, as I said. With goals like that, the big guys obviously come after you as well, which mm. is what happened. Some of our large supermarkets pushed into inner city delivery markets and promised shorter delivery windows as well. Yeah. So my local Woolies, the one that's very close to my door, uh, is a metro store and they have basically delivery services. They've really, in the last 12 mm. months, it has disrupted them because they had to build this capacity. To be able to deliver really quickly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So very, very interesting and look, good luck to them in terms of <laughs> what they tried to well, do. when you read about this, you've got to appreciate someone having a having crack. A go. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a huge risk. Yeah. It's a huge amount of money. Um, in his uh, defence, what he said is the business has enough cash on hand to reimburse suppliers. Mm. They're going to pay severance payments to their mm. office staff and their delivery riders. They had 400-odd staff, so that's no small thing either. No, it's not. And an interesting thing spilling out of all of it too will be just a bit of an assessment about that market. And whether it works. Whether it works, whether us Aussies like going to the supermarket. Mm. It's a really interesting question. I like going to the supermarket, particularly when I'm buying fresh food. Yeah, me too. Us Aussies are quite connected to fresh food, so mm. we do like to see it and touch it and feel it uh, before we put it in our trolleys. This and is take your it Woolies uh, yeah, experience talking. Yeah. Exactly. Um, also, what it means for these other delivery services that we've seen Deliveroo's crashed. Uh, similar businesses to Milk Run, Send and Volley, they crashed. Milk Run was the last man standing. So yeah. That's really it now. And that's our little bit of chat about Milk Run. <laughs> On to what's coming up. Coming up this week, Claire, it's fairly pathetic from us, actually. There's <laughs> not, not that much as far as we can tell. Yeah, well, this is the short week, right? Like you've just dragged True. yourself over the line of a short week. We've done five days' work in four days. <laughs> Who cares about next week? Next we'll sort week, that whatever. Out. No, there is some things happening. I mean, <laughs> in, very importantly, it's banana day on Tuesday, and I don't exactly know what that means, but I feel like maybe a banana bread recipe or something could be good for I next week. I had in the back of my head you don't like bananas. I I'm very specific about the ripeness and when I'll eat them. Oh, okay. But I, re I do like bananas. But I like them to be just like just from green to... Yeah, me too. Like, yeah. Yeah. As soon as they go into that... And start smelling. Spotty, yeah, yeah. Nah, not, no, not into it at all. No, thanks. Um, but anyway, I mean, if anyone has strong views about <laughs> sure that, let us know. really interesting. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> but we do actually, this is, as I, as I sort of preview, this yeah. is a good what's coming up, this solar eclipse. And I said to you... 
when we when you flagged this with me that yes. they seem to be happening all the time, these solar eclipses. <laughs> but this one's a, a really big deal. Well, I'm glad you've come to that conclusion because you were very dismissive. <laughs> Sorry. Yesterday. No, this is a this is a big thing. <laughs> yeah, so Western Australia is going to get this rare total solar eclipse that's happening next week on the 20th. Uh, it hasn't happened in Western Australia since 1974. Mm. Very good year. That was when I was born. Uh, The sun is going to completely disappear behind the moon over Ningaloo. Uh, That's about 1,200 kilometres north of Perth. It makes Exmouth the really big centre to be at. 11.30 local time, Thursday next week. The rest of the country will get a partial eclipse. Okay. I went down a whole rabbit hole of actually seeing a complete eclipse is definitely something to put on your bucket list. Especially there, I yeah. can imagine. Like that because is vast, beautiful. Sea, yeah, amazing. Exactly. Um, Penny Wong is at the Press Club. Claire, do we know what she's talking about? No, they're holding their cards very close to their chest about that one. It's okay. just an address is what they've got down on the public agenda. She's, of course, our foreign minister. So, But imagine. China, of yeah. course, this week backing off some of those trade issues that we've had on Bali. There's all sorts of stuff happening, of course, in Ukraine and leaked documents yeah. and all of that kind of stuff and also our Pacific neighbourhood. There's a lot going on there too. So there's a lot of things that she can touch on, that's for sure. No doubt something will come out of that. Uh, the only other thing is uh, Pat Farmer, who's a former member of Parliament, Claire, mm. an ultra marathon runner as well. He's kicking off a journey around the country 14,400 kilometres yep. run. Around Australia. Around Australia in support of The Voice. In support of The Voice. It's called The Run for The Voice. Yep. Uh, he's going to be talking to all sorts of people as he goes. Uh, if you're one of those lunatics, you can actually sign up to run with him oh, if you would like, like to. Like, like Yeah. <laughs> I I'm think he's probably imagining people are going for an hour. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> actually, not the whole journey. Not okay. the whole journey. <laughs> Maybe you're not invited for the whole thing. I'm not entirely sure. Oh, he's such a legend, Pat Farmer. So good luck to him. Yeah, it's going to be fairly important. Impressive, that's for sure. That's what's coming up, but we won't disappoint on Squeeze Recommends. So let's get into that. Squeeze Recommends, Claire, two explainers on The Voice that I wanted to recommend. One from the ABC, which steps through the wording in a really, mm. really clear way. It's a, it's a visual thing, so you can watch mm. it. Um, and then if you're more into reading, one from The Australian, which articulates the positions of the government, the opposition and Julian Lisa, which is kind of yeah. what this debate is now kind of about. Yeah. Um, both of those are serious news stuff, but they're some of our recommendations this week. Yeah, they're all good ones to get on top of, that's for sure. So for me, Tim Cook, Kate, is the CEO of Apple. You probably know him as Tim Apple. (laughs) There was a time when Donald Trump accidentally (laughs) referred to him as Tim Apple. It's one of the funniest clips on the internet if you've missed it. I always get a good chuckle. So that's what Claire's talking about there. (laughs) It was very funny. (laughs) Tim Um, Apple? Apple, of course, is very relevant because it's the biggest company in the world. Mm. Uh, It's valued at the moment at $2.6 trillion US dollars. So, like, just massive. Um, We've got a long read on him in GQ. GQ's doing a lot of good long reads at the moment. It's a really good one. Yeah. It really, really is. Settle into it. Um, Tim Cook is very calm. That's what I took out of it. It seems like it, yeah. Yeah, an amazing sort of presence, clearly, from what people said about him at work, Um, but also 
a big shadow that he had cast over him with Steve Jobs. He yeah. took the job from him. Um, he's also very good at email. He has his email available publicly to anyone who would like to email him and he says he goes through all of those emails. I don't know about that. <laughs> but, you know, that's what he said. As you said, it is a long read. So really settle in, grab a cup of coffee, sit down to read that one. The thing that um, about the article that I found Possibly the most interesting is how he talks about Apple and their mm. approach to privacy and how they um, value customers' privacy. Mm. And, I mean, a lot of people have a lot of opinions about whether they do that well or not, mm. but certainly they have a very strong position on it. And he talks about the fact that they don't use their customers' data in the same way that other tech companies and companies that have emerged since might do so. Yeah. Again, a bit loaded. But yeah, very, very loaded. Very interesting. Very loaded, of course. And, you know, as someone... Kate, as you and I run a newsletter business, it's quite infuriating at times. Uh, Apple has put in all of these sort of privacy restrictions for email, yeah. which has made our lives really difficult. It's made our lives difficult, but I guess it demonstrates that they do take it seriously. They really do. They take yeah. it really seriously. I'd just like people to get their email if they're signed up for it, but, you know, call me old-fashioned. <laughs> exactly. I mean, as I said, there's views. People have views. But, um, I mean, look, really, really great read. Um, as much anticipation my recipe recommendation, oh. which I have to confess, I didn't cook myself. My mum cooked it. <laughs> but it's a one-tray baked chicken. It's um, potatoes, tomato, olives, capers. The chicken gets crispy. Mm. Honestly, it was just so delicious. And I feel like as it's getting cooler, it's probably a good thing. So I'm just whispering to squizzes who cook stuff. Kate has discovered tray bakes. So let's just <laughs> go with her on this. No, Claire was like, Kate, it's, it's a, a tray, tray bake. bake. But it's a <laughs> Amazing. Anyway. Tray bakes are great. Yeah, yeah. It's so delicious. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, as we always do, put a link to that in your episode notes. It'll also be in the Saturday Squeeze newsletter. Let's move on now to Squeeze Press. Squeeze Press this week, Claire, it's over to you. It's Sammy J. We've talked about Sammy J on Saturday Quite Squeeze recently, before. Yeah. yeah. It was last Saturday yep. Squeeze, wasn't it? Because you do a, a yeah. you do a <laughs> thing with him on the radio. about my radio thing. Yeah, exactly. Good Hustle is his show. Yeah, so he's doing live shows at the moment. He's touring around all of the capitals except for Darwin. Uh, you'll have to take it up with him as to why he doesn't like Darwin. Well, I'm about to tell him that I'm going to be in Darwin next week, so I will. Yeah, I'll... I'll Refer that on to him. <laughs> uh, so we've got an activity for listeners. They can score free tickets uh, to see that show in those capitals. Uh, over the next few weeks, we've got a link. Tell us in just a few sentences when you showed Good Hustle. Okay. Kate, you and I are then going to judge the winners. Are we? Yep. I have no idea about this. Signing you up to this. Uh, there's a free double pass on offer for each city that he's going to. So there's a link in your episode notes. Click on it and you'll be able to submit your answer. Am I exactly. right? Or is it email us your answer? No, 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 no. There's a form. There's a form. There's yep. a form. There's a whole thing. Yep. Tell us when you showed good hustle and we'll decide. We'll read out the answer. The yep. best answer. Exactly. Okay. That's a bit of fun. Yeah. I did not know we were doing that. I know. Um, free double pass. Thanks, Sammy J. That's awesome. Um, I think also, as I mentioned, um, I won't be here next week. I'm going on leave, going yeah. to Darwin for my sister's wedding, which I'm really looking forward to. I won't be seeing Good Hustle because it's not going to be in Darwin, <laughs> but, you know. Um, the point being that you might hear a couple of new voices on Saturday Squiz, Alex yeah. Ty or Alice Dempster maybe, or maybe both. Maybe both. We'll work it out. We'll work it out. And um, welcome Alex to the Squiz. He's um, been on the podcast a couple of times this week and it's so great to have him on the team. Had a cracking debut. Cracking debut. That's all from us. Enjoy your Saturday and we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.